3: And that's right, my name is Scott Adams You're listening to the Scott Adams Show I want to thank everybody for tuning in today And you know, it's interesting to see how things are playing out With the Ukraine conflict And, um, and how the battle lines are being drawn And people are figuring out What is going on with respect to uh, This war And... Um, you know, it's it's interesting because, generally speaking, when there's a war, you always want to pick a side. And that's just human nature. You know, we always want to pick a side or, you know, do we dare be on the same side as Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? How could that be? And, of course, it more than likely is not that case. It won't be. <laughs> I remember when we were looking at uh, Venezuela and I thought how smart Trump was to uh, endorse Juan Guardo as the leader of Venezuela. For a country like the United States to be doing that in the wake of a rigged election using Dominion voting machines, where have we heard that before? But they were doing it before the United States. And Maduro got to be the president of the uh Venezuela and uh and he did it through rigging the election. And so Juan Guardo was, you know, basically a political dissident and he and his wife came to the White House and Trump doubled down, tripled down on his support and allied nations around the world, I think uh Macron and some others Acknowledged Juan Guardo as the true leader of Venezuela. But when Trump did it, it forced the hand of his adversary political foes. And uh, the squad right away automatically had to support Maduro. Because Maduro stands for everything they stand for. Socialism. Communism. Totalitarianism, big government, where the people fear you—that's <clears throat> what is going on with the left right today. So as soon as Trump lined up with the opposition to Maduro, then of course the morons over at the black uh, the the uh, squad, the uh, um, Rashid Talib and. Ocasio-Cortez, they all had to choose a side and it wasn't going to be with Trump. They would lose their funding, their, their base, their uni- unity. So they did that and uh, they ended up siding with Maduro. That's like, because they hate Trump so much, they just they would decide to side with Hitler. They would go as far as to do that. I see a lot of things playing out here. And, you know, Lindsey Graham for years has been hating uh, Russia and just hating Russia, you know, just ha- absolutely. And the situation is is very much that uh, people are confused because it's like, okay, Putin is the aggressor. Why is he aggressing? Why does everybody hate Putin? Maybe Lindsey Graham was right. Maybe John McCain was right when they said Putin's the worst of the worst. Maybe there weren't false flags. Maybe it really was Putin in Syria uh, causing all that damage. Maybe Putin is that dumb. Well, actually, I I believe that Putin is not not that smart because I think this... uh, calculation with regard to russia and ukraine is has not been thought out all that well from the russian perspective will they win can they crush can they crush can can putin crush ukraine of course he can of course he can in 2015 it was talked about in no uncertain terms can he crush Ukraine but what are we doing to stop it that's the key the the beautiful thing about diplomacy is if it's done right you can avoid conflict and war but here we are in the knee-deep in the middle of it the military industrial complex as Tulsi Gabbard said is quite happy there's a guy named John Mearsheimer and I wanted to play this clip yesterday and we ran out of time and uh, I wanted I wanted to play this clip though, and I'm going to go ahead and play it today, and cue it up. This was in 2015, and to me, he's a, he's a great mind, a great foreign policy mind. So his name's John Mearsheimer, and what we're going to do is we're going to uh, we're going to uh, cue this up, and we're going to take a listen to what. John Mearsheimer said in 2015. Somebody wrote about John, and he said, probably the leading geo- geopolitical scholar in the U.S. today. And he said this uh, basically, this is something he said in 2015 that the West is leading Ukraine down the primrose path. I love that word, primrose. Primrose path and the end result is that ukraine is going to get wrecked what we're doing is in fact encouraging that outcome and we did that we did that when we sent politicians over there to fleece ukraine so under the obama regime for example now under the obama regime they basically uh Gave them blankets and pillows, but they left it. Uh, the military weapons uh, on the black market, on the playing field, for people like John McCain and Lindsey Graham and Amy Klobuchar to go over there and sell weapons in exchange for oil. And the oil preserves needed to be protected. The natural gas reserves needed to be protected So companies like Burisma, who was part of the deal, needed to be protected because Ukraine was corrupt and Ukraine was doing business. Yeah, there are bioweapons and biolabs in Ukraine as well. And these are military-industrial complex interests. And they might say for the good of America. That we, we would be so close to, but it would not be American sanction. It would be like America acting like a terrorist group. So America, under the Obama regime, would be acting like a terrorist group where black market deals were welcome, if not encouraged, so that people like Amy Klobuchar or Lindsey Graham or John McCain could exploit these opportunities In exchange for votes, in exchange for money, in exchange for power, in exchange for influence. And I have video of Lindsey Graham and John McCain when they were over there in December of 2016 when President Trump was just president-elect. And on New Year's Eve was sitting there with Poroshenko, the president of Ukraine at the time, and their military with their new weapons. And they're getting awards in Latvia and Lithuania, which is just to the north of Ukraine, northeast of Poland. And they were getting all these accolades. You're doing great work for Ukraine. And it's not sanctioned by the government because Obama was a weak leader. And Obama never wanted to sign up on anything. He never wanted to put his rubber stamp. He had a painting. Obama had a painting in the White House that was all about indecisiveness. It was uh, well documented. But the idea was that blankets and pillows wouldn't get us in trouble with Russia, wouldn't escalate fear in Russia, wouldn't be a problem for Russia. But what would be a fear for Russia? Russia. Javelin, anti-tank missiles, Their defense systems. Why would he have a fear of that? Because a lot of these missile systems can be dual used. They could be used to send up defensive missile shields, but they could also be sent up to send out rockets into Moscow. So that becomes a real threat. And, you know, take it from me, I uh, I said this in January 23rd, What everybody's talking about, Doug McGregor's, you know, on the on the speaking circuit these days. And, you know, he's saying some really great things, really smart analysis. But. He. He is saying it. Now, you know, I mean, we should have been saying it before. That's my only concern. On January 23rd, I said this, just to give you an idea and a perspective as to how right we've been on this for how long. I posted this on January 23rd. I posted a Russian military buildup near border, and I basically said this. This is January 23rd. NATO alliance and arsenal in a corrupt Ukraine that influenced Western politicians through black market dealings is the reason for Russian aggression along the Ukraine border. Just as the U.S. would object to Russian missiles in Cuba, Russia sees Western assets as a threat from Kiev. And I got a picture of basically Ukraine's leader uh, with Sullenberg in NATO. And I got a picture of Vladimir Putin uh, and he is with the Cuban leader. A leader the a Cuban leader. So basically, it's exactly what I was saying there. And U.S. and NATO politicians who exploited Ukraine vulnerabilities for personal wealth in exchange for protection, not much different than Burisma, board members protecting their corporate interests are the root cause for Russia preemptive steps to gain leverage against Western threats. That was said January 28th, January 28th. And January 29th, I said, American senators had been fleecing Ukraine for personal wealth in exchange for foolish promises of U.S. and NATO protections without considering where provoking Russia would lead us until now. What would U.S. do if Russia installed missiles in Cuba? Who is preempting who? And there was pictures of uh, in this post of Amy Klobuchar, John McCain, Lindsey Graham with the military on New Year's Eve during a Trump transition when Trump was president elect. You got a picture of Joe Biden making these fake promises uh, or co- this coercion to fi- fire Victor uh, Shokin. Uh, And he's sitting there next to Michael Carpenter, who is a good friend of Jake Sullivan's and Eric C. the so-called Ukrainian whistleblower uh, that helped Donald Trump get impeached in the House of Representatives. Um, And you got other photos here, too. But the point that, that I'm making is on this little show here, on this small show, on Scott Adams' show, Red State, we were talking about this January 23rd. And it's posted up on Twitter and on uh, Facebook. Now, I got one more thing to show you before we get to um, John Mearsheimer, because his 2015 quote is really quite good. 2015, he's way ahead of the curve. Uh, He's considered to be, by some, probably the leading geopolitical scholar in the U.S. today. And he was saying this in 2015, and Leonora has actually worked with him uh, on this stuff. But um, but here, let's take a listen to this one quote from McGregor. On uh, let's take a listen. Well, that's, we have no sound. Of
1: 158 countries in the world, right here. does not want to do in our usual effort to demonize him and his country. We need to remember that Ukraine is fourth from the bottom of 158 countries in the world as corrupt. Russia is perhaps three or four places above them. This is not the liberal democracy, the shining example that everyone says it is. Far from it. Mr. Zelensky is jailed journalists and his political opposition. I think we need to stay out of it. The American people think we should stay out of it. The Europeans think we should stay out of it. And we should stop shipping weapons and encouraging Ukrainians to die in what is a hopeless endeavor.
0: So when you say stay out of it, you mean no sanctions, no military aid, just let Russia take the portion of Ukraine they want to take?
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I see no reason why we should fight with the Russians over something that they have been talking about for years. We simply chose to ignore it. And more important, the population there is indistinguishable from their own.
3: Hmm. Now, I don't know if I agree with all that, but here's the thing. With regard to that, it's, I know where that's coming from. I've, I've actually met uh, Doug McGregor many times and uh, at different events. Leonora holds these events, and there's big fund donors. And one of the fund donors is a former Rockefeller. He's a peace guy. I'm not going to name his name, but I will say this. I will say that I've been to some events uh, that this person's thrown in D.C., and uh, the guy's a good guy, he's, he, but he's, a, he's, a, um, he's an anti-war guy, definitely a peace guy. And he has pretty much endorsed McGregor. And I remember Doug McGregor pulling me aside and telling me that he was in line to be the next CIA director. Uh, CIA uh, was no, not CIA director um, to replace John Bolton, uh, national security advisor uh, for the White House for for Donald Trump. And I thought that's kind of interesting that he would tell me that. I think what he did was he told me that because he thought I would spread the word and I did not because I didn't think that was appropriate. and I didn't like what he did there, but I do respect his judgment. And there is this one uh, bit that I wanted to play here uh, and it's right here. That was not the clip I wanted to play, but that one, I was going to play for you anyway, so it didn't matter.
0: Here is Colonel Doug McGregor, a former senior advisor to, to the Secretary of Defense. This is what Thank he says. Exactly what I said us. January
3: 23rd is what he's saying now.
0: ...is doing this. What is his end game? Right here. <clears throat> well, Vladimir
1: Putin is carrying through on something that he's been warning us about at least for the last 15 years which is that he will not tolerate U.S. forces or their missiles on his borders, much as we would not tolerate Russian troops and missiles in Cuba. And we ignored him, and he finally acted. He was not going to allow Ukraine under any circumstances to join NATO. What's happened now is that the battle in eastern Ukraine is really almost over. All the Ukrainian troops there have been largely surrounded and cut off, you have a concentration down in the southeast of 30 to 40,000 of them. And if they don't surrender within the next 24 hours, I suspect that the Russians will ultimately annihilate them. That's why Zelensky is meeting with uh, Putin's representatives right now. The game is over. And uh, he's going to have to negotiate the best deal he can get. And we've already told him, the president of the United States has, that if he opts for neutrality for Ukraine, we'll back him. And I think that Vladimir Putin will do that for western Ukraine. That is the Ukraine beyond the the upper river. But behind it in the east where he is now, I'm not sure what he has planned there. Whether he forms another republic, annexes it into Russia, because historically it has been Russian. But the territory west of Ukraine is not. He knows that and he's happy to live with that as a neutral state.
0: I am not a military expert. I'm not even an expert on geography. But if he takes Ukraine and Ukraine abuts Poland, then he's going to have a NATO country abutting him. So if that's what he doesn't want, then isn't he going to just have to keep going? into?
3: Yeah, but further from Moscow. Correct?
0: No, He runs out of NATO countries. I, I guess
1: I should say it again. Uh, he has no interest in crossing the West, the Dnieper and heading West to the Polish border.
3: No, that was an excellent uh, comeback there, but uh, but yeah. You know, so that's what the, that's what the argument's about. So the argument there is that he doesn't want this Ukrainian influence uh, that's embraced European values, European Union uh, is has embraced the new world order. Uh, they're globalists. They're socialists. They're corrupt. Uh, And all of this is true uh, in Ukraine. And uh, he doesn't want this in his backyard. Putin doesn't. So he wants to straighten out Ukraine. Because I think he feels that uh, Poland and Romania aren't a threat.
0: Here is Colonel Douglas.
3: So, sorry about that. So we'll see. Um, But there's a lot of corruption. And so that's what I was talking about. In January, I was posting that it was Lindsey Graham, John McCain, and their influence and their political corruption. But Joe Biden is just as guilty. With Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma, led to all of this. Made Putin very uncomfortable. And Putin has just about every right to do what he's doing. Let's take a listen to this the particular clip, and then we're going to get to the other.
1: Ukrainian troops there have been largely surrounded and cut off. You have a concentration down in the southeast of thirty to 40,000 of them. And if they don't surrender within the next 24 hours, I suspect that the Russians yeah, will ultimately part. annihilate them in Ukraine. That is the Ukraine beyond the, the upper river but behind it in the east where he is now I'm not sure what he has planned there whether he forms another republic so next into Russia answered. because historically it has been Russian but the territory west of Ukraine is not he knows that and he's happy to live with that as a neutral state
0: I am not a military expert I'm not even an expert on geography but if he takes Ukraine and Ukraine abuts Poland then he's going to have a NATO country abutting him. So if that's what he doesn't want, then isn't he going to just have to keep going until he runs out of NATO countries?
1: I I guess I should say it again. Uh, He has no interest in crossing the West, the and heading west to the Polish border. Uh, I think you're going to find from these negotiations, he's quite willing to neutralize that territory on the Austrian or the Finnish model. Right now, Russia already touches Estonia and part of Latvia. White Russia, of course, touches uh, Lithuania. Uh, He's not interested in going to war with us, and he has an army that's too small for that purpose. And he knows that his economy is smaller than that of uh, South Korea's. So this is not something that he's looking for. We are imputing to him things that he does not want to do in our usual effort to demonize him and his country. We need to remember that Ukraine is fourth from the bottom of 158 countries in the world as corrupt. Russia is perhaps three or four places above them. This is not the liberal democracy, the shining example that everyone says it is. Far from it. Mr. Zelensky has jailed journalists and his political opposition. I think we need to stay out of it. The American people think we should
3: And there you are. So it's, it's not what you think it is, right? So let's go ahead and take a listen to what John Mearsheimer said in 2015.
2: what's going on here is that the West is leading Ukraine down the primrose path. And the end result is that Ukraine is going to get wrecked. And I believe that the policy that I'm advocating, which is neutralizing Ukraine and then building it up economically and getting it out of the competition between Russia on one side and NATO on the other side, is the best thing that could happen to the Ukrainians. What we're doing is encouraging the Ukrainians to play tough with the Russians. We're encouraging the Ukrainians to think that they will ultimately become part of the West because we will ultimately defeat Putin and we will ultimately get our way. Time is on our side. And, of course, the Ukrainians are playing along with this. And the Ukrainians are almost completely unwilling to compromise with the Russians and instead want to pursue a hardline policy. Well, as I said to you before, if they do that, the end result is that their country is going to be wrecked. And what we're doing is, in effect, encouraging that outcome, I think it would make much more sense for us to neutral to, to work to create a neutral Ukraine. It would be in our interest to bury this crisis as quickly as possible. It certainly would be in Russia's interest to do so, and most importantly, it would be in Ukraine's interest to put an end to the crisis. Thank you. That's
3: two thousand fifteen. So you know the thing is, every time it's a entity that is embraced by the radical left. And in this case, it's Ukraine, is the endearment of the radical left. They're being propped up to fight and they're going to get crushed. They're going to get wrecked, as this guy said. And what good is that? But here's the thing, too. I remember uh, the Palestinians You remember the squad sided with the Palestinians over Israel, and they called it the BLO movement or something like that. Um, But the idea is that the Palestinians were stubborn; they wouldn't. They wanted to go mano a mano with the West, mano a mano with Israel. They wanted to not compromise. They wouldn't compromise a bit. And the guy, you know, John Mearsheimer was saying that's the same thing Ukraine's doing. And that's how Trump got to the Abraham Peace Accords. Is he basically said, we're going to have a meeting, we're going to sit at the table, and we're going to have this discussion. And Palestinians said, go fly a kite. We're not interested. We want it all because we deserve it all, and you get nothing, and so on and so forth. Of course, they were making demands that were ridiculous. They didn't have the leverage. So Trump walked away from the deal, walked away from the table. And while he did that, he said to Israel, go ahead and just build out the West Bank and and, and the Gaza Strip. Just go ahead and build it out the way you want. And time is on your side. So basically, however much time you have, Every time you build a building and every time you build a settlement and a development, a housing development, every time you do that, it's going to be further down the road to where Palestinians are going to have less leverage with each and every building you build. And after a while, it got to the point where Palestinians couldn't come to the table. But Trump, instead of giving them money basically cut them off with the money, and let them starve. No longer were they powerful and influential. I mean, they had their Hamas, but Hamas was broke. They couldn't afford their guns and weapons. Iran supported Hezbollah, and Hezbollah couldn't uh, uh, was going broke too because Iran was also de-san- uh, re-sanctioned. Uh, no longer part of this G- JCPOA, and no longer a powerful influence over Hezbollah, and Hezbollah and Hamas were the ones that were stationed in Lebanon that was going into Israel, Israel quite a bit, blowing things up. So finally, what happened was these Arab states decided, you know what, we can't wait for the Palestinians. We are they're they're a problem. We they're not our child. We're we're not going to bail them out. And they decided, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna we need some cash. And the reason why they need cash is because a they bought up um, a lot of military equipment from Trump. Uh, the the Saudi Arabia bought up the Saudis bought up a lot of military equipment, and the reason why they did was to neutralize the power against Iran and to stabilize Yemen to create uh, a situation where Iran wouldn't think that it can just steamroll over using their Houthi warriors. And so the Middle East was similar in conflict and it also involved Russia in Syria. But the idea here is that after a while when Trump became energy independent... It it basically cut off our need to buy so much oil from OPEC and Russia, and we were energy independent. They want to talk today about these reserves, but that's a that's a that's not the same solution as re, re, reopening the Keystone Pipeline. But they they don't want to do because they want to control the population and they want to force our population into submission and buy electric. That's the only way they see fit. It's the only way they think they could get coordination and cooperation from the middle class is to starve them to death, to pound them to death. And even our own energy secretary said we're in a uh, 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 energy transition. And this transition is causing major problems at the but now is not the time now is not the time to be strangleholding. And I remember um, Obama did the same technique and it's almost by design because they're they're attacking the middle class when they're weak or when they're at their weakest. Remember the housing crisis in 2008 and what happened after 2008? Obama did this redistribution of wealth scheme, all this spending, inflationary spending, Obamacare, this redistribution of wealth between the lower class and the middle class. The middle class was footing the bill for the lower class to have medicine. Like we all have the money to buy everybody else's health care. But that's in essence what they were asking us to do. At a time when the housing... At a time when people were losing their houses, their, their homes were underwater. We know so many people that lost their homes to foreclosure because of the housing bubble and the interest rates, and they just basically couldn't afford to pay, and they became almost renters in their own home that they thought they owned, but the banks owned it. We're seeing that reemerge again. And again, this attack on the middle class is by design, it's not by accident. We allow certain things to happen and certain things not to happen. What they don't want happening, they squash right away. You look at the way they treat J6 protesters, and you look at the way they treated Black Lives Matter. Two totally different things. There's a hockey league up in Canada that's basically um, going after uh, Russians, I believe it is. Remember, we were asked in the wake of 9-11 to turn a blind eye to Muslims and be nice to them. Give them a pacifier. Be nice. Don't, don't get angry with a certain population that seems to be always blowing things up. And they're sort of doing the same thing against Russia on behalf of Ukraine as well. Because Ukraine represents the left. Ukraine represents socialism. Ukraine represents a new world order. Ukraine represents the protection and the shield for the euro and all these other things. You know, like when I heard this clip, from the Ukrainian parliament member. We played it yesterday. We'll play it again today. Right we know that right now it's a critical time
2: because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We knew that we are the shield for the euro. Right now it's a critical time.
3: They're a shield for the euro. And then you got Vladimir Klitschko or Vitali Klitschko saying, we are Europeans. We want to become a modern European country. So they've become anti-Russian. And they became, uh, and they were corrupt. And it was this corruption that wasn't sanctioned by any government, as I was saying. When John McCain and Lindsey Graham and all these different players would get involved with black market military deals, it became a threat to Putin because it wasn't even sanctioned or owned up by Obama. Now, when President Trump became a uh, president, he sat down with Zelensky, who was newly elected, and he, he got impeached over that relationship, if, if you recall. And there was Alexander Vindman and all these people, uh, Maria Yovanovitch, the ambassador to Ukraine, all these people were gatekeepers to things that would either be permitted or not permitted. Like the CFIUS court before them, we talked about, where you had Uranium One and the Clinton Foundation selling off our, our uranium to Russia. They got that approved through the CFIUS courts. And the CFIUS courts, as we said earlier in the week, is not judges. It's It's the... It's the department heads, like the Secretary of State, John Kerry, or uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Jay Johnson. They would be on the CFIUS board. (laughs) And they would decide who gets to play ball in a foreign country involving national security. And Hunter Biden got the green rubber stamp every single time. And so did Hillary Clinton. And if you were a competing influence or interest well that we we can't just we cannot have competition. Are you crazy? Competition's bad. Because it they don't want a competition. They want a monopoly. Because they want to get rich quick. They want a fleece. They want power. They want control. So Here's this uh, clip. You know, I I remember bringing this up uh, early in the week or last week. And I'm talking about it today. I wanted to talk about it today, too, just real quick. So Germany has done one little thing. Germany... uh, Germany basically says this. Chancellor Schultz, German Chancellor Schultz says they set up a $100 billion euros special fund for defense investment. So they're spending that 2% that Trump begged them to, to, to... Well, Trump asked them. Trump basically called them out and said, they're the richest country in NATO. They're the richest country... Uh, not in NATO, because we are, but they were the richest country in the European Union, Germany. And they were spending 1%. So this $100 billion represents at least 2%. So it says... Set up a hundred billion dollar Euros special fund for defense investment. Permanently more than permanently more than two percent of GDP for defense. This is indeed nothing short of a uh, Zeitenbund for German foreign and security policy. And I said this to in response to that. I said Germany twenty twenty two is looking a lot like Trump twenty seventeen. But five years too late, because the you know Gazprom is one of the big oil companies out of Germany that's endorsed the Nord Stream two, that's profiting from it, and the head of Gazprom is the former president of Germany, Gerhard Schroeder. So, I don't know, but there it is. They've embraced, they've embraced, Ukraine has embraced this whole New World Order influence. So no wonder Russia is very, very concerned. So we have uh, another little clip from the McGregor thing. And then basically I want to get to uh, a couple of other articles today. Standing up, uh, in the, to cue it up, standing up to Putin means ditching net zero. So one of the big choices for Biden is to open up the P- Keystone Pipeline. Of course, he won't do it. He won't do it because he's going to, because that would be giving up all the progress that they've been made, that, that's that been made, with respect to forcing people to go electric or forcing people to spend, le- uh, to consume less gas. You know, I was just hearing, uh, um, Stuart Varney talk about the idea that a trucker now has to spend over $500 to fill up a big tank of gas, 100 gallons or something like that. Uh, of diesels, diesels over $4 a, uh, $4 a gallon. Um, the price of oil per barrel is $110 a barrel now. We're going to be seeing $4 for natural gas or I mean uh, regular gas at the pump. Who pays The middle class is getting crushed by this war. And again, I don't think it's by... I I think that we're allowing this to happen because they want to weaken the middle class. Because you can't get socialism, and I say this all the time, with a strong, vibrant, working middle class that represents 65% of the population. If you have that, you'll never have socialism. You can never rig the elections enough. And so what's happened is they're trying to crush the middle class. They crushed it through COVID. They crushed it and they didn't have to. I mean, if you saw this um, clip from a uh, really great clip from uh, De DeSantis. DeSantis, I mean, I'm, de- I'm sorry, DeSantis. Um, DeSantis is basically uh, walks in and he says, take the masks off right here. Let's take a listen to this clip. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take it off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not
2: doing anything and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a,
1: this is ridiculous. All right. Well, it's good to be at USF.
3: So this is the University of Southern Florida all these kids were wearing their masks standing behind Governor DeSantis and he basically says take off your masks this is covid theater i loved it uh one other thing about the energy uh i wanted to get to this um this is the energy secretary that I was making a reference to. This is her audio clip to this. But
1: the bottom line is that this president and this administration are looking at every single tool to shield American families from the impact of rising energy prices. And we're working through...
3: That's baloney.
1: We're working through an energy transition. And we've got to start by adding energy. And the reality is we have to take some time to get off of oil and gas. We recognize this. This is a transition. But the bottom line is that this president yeah. and this administration well, are looking
3: Now at- is not the time. Just like Obama crushing the middle class in the wake of a housing bubble, it was not the time. This war and, and wake, in the wake of COVID, which is worse than the housing crisis, now is not the time. And why not benefit from the oil that we have all that infrastructure where we could get oil out of the earth? It doesn't hurt the earth i I don't believe it's it's the impact on <clears throat> on our environment is is nearly as bad as what they say uh and they never really did settle the science on you know how much of the Uh, climate is cyclical and how much of the climate is. But they're taking ownership of winning that argument when they never won the argument. And they're ramrodding this stuff down our throats without any votes. These are just government mandates. So this article that uh, Rupert Doral wrote is standing up to Putin means ditching net zero. So what she just said is not the way you stand up to Putin. Of course, it's the way you actually enable Putin to do what he's doing by getting rich off of the oil. And we could be getting rich off of the oil right now. This is a great opportunity to give Europeans another source of oil coming from the United States would be a great thing for American workers and the American economy. So geopolitical realism requires energy realism vladimir putin's inflammatory speech in which he set out his aim to reconstitute the russian empire and blamed lenin for its demise and his decision to back up this up with a full scale invasion of ukraine signals the return of geopolitics Uh, so basically he's talking about this oil and we're not we don't have the luxury of doing that we don't have the luxury of going green right now. We need to tap into all the resources that we can. We did it in World War II. Why are we not doing it now? Why are we not taking this precipice of World War III seriously? Because China is a bigger threat than Russia. That's obvious. And we need it to be a lot more independent than we are. And Trump was right about that and not only that but then that leads to the next next one and this is uh, one of my favorite thinkers victor davis hansen and he says this the biden inflation octopus in the because oil is causing the inflation you know that right the price of oil causes inflation because of petroleum because of fabrics because of trucking shipments you name it air air travel you name it uh, it's going to, it's, it impacts inflation. The Biden inflation inflation octopus is what Victor Davis Hansen writes. He says in the end, it doesn't matter whether Biden was diluted or diabolical, bo- diluted or diabolical. Come November, Americans will rightfully blame him for willfully damaging their lives. And I thought that was a good piece too. Um, that I posted over on my social media, um, and then the other one is Biden's bombshell backstory in the in the style of George McGovern. Leftist Democrats are painting are panting to give Vladimir Putin what he really wants <clears throat> by suggesting that a minor incursion into Ukraine would be acceptable. True. Allen notes, "It looks like Joe Biden is colluding with Vladimir Putin," and I believe that could be true. <clears throat> I mean, after all, wasn't the wasn't it the mayor of Moscow that gave the son Hunter three and a half million dollars? Nobody's ever explained that. So I want to uh, take a listen to another excerpt from Doug McGregor, uh, who was on Tucker. Let's take a listen to this.
1: Well, the first five days, we witnessed a very slow, methodical movement of Russian forces into eastern Ukraine. That is Ukraine, the third of Ukraine, which is on the eastern side of this river called the Dnieper. They moved slowly, cautiously. They tried to reduce casualties among the civilian population, tried to give as many Ukrainian troops and forces as possible the opportunity to give up, to surrender. That is over, and the phase in which we find ourselves now Russian forces have now maneuvered to encircle and surround the remaining Ukrainian forces and destroy them through a series of massive rocket artillery strikes, airstrikes, with Russian armor then slowly but surely closing the distance and annihil- annihilating what's left. So this is, a, this is the beginning, frankly, of the end of Ukrainian resistance. So the ugly stuff is
2: just beginning, it yes, sounds like. yes. Okay. Um, so this is a question you don't often hear asked, but it's essential to our welfare here in the United States, to our strategic thinking about
1: this. What is Putin's goal here? What's his aim? Well, I think Vladimir Putin set out to honor his word of 2007. 2007 at the Munich Security Conference, he said, We will not tolerate the expansion of NATO into to a point where your NATO, your border, is touching Russia specifically Ukraine and Georgia. We see these as essentially Trojan horses for NATO's military power and US influence, subversion, and so forth. He then turned to several opportunities to reinforce that over and over and over again, most recently with President Biden, in the hopes that he could avoid taking action to effectively clean out eastern Ukraine of any opposition forces whatsoever, and to put his forces in a position Vis a vis NATO to deter us from any further attempts to influence or change Ukraine into effectively a platform for the projection of US and Western power into Russia. Now, his goal, as we see it at the moment, is to seize this entire area of eastern Ukraine. That's pretty clear. He's going to roll up to that river, up near Kiev. He has actually moved over the river and is preparing to go in and capture that city entirely. At that point, he has to decide what else he wants to do. I don't think he wants to go any further west. I think he'd be very satisfied to hold that point. But he would like whatever emerges from this that we call Ukraine, whether it's just the western side or it encompasses some of the east and the west of Ukraine, to be neutral, non-aligned, and preferably friendly to Moscow. That he will accept. Anything short of that, his war has been a waste of time. How should the United States respond at this point? Well, I think President Biden and Sullivan, his national security advisor, have already given some indication of their readiness to accept something like that. They're not going to have any choice. Either they accept it or then they put him in the position of having to do more than he would like to do, which would probably not go down well with NATO. No one really wants Russian forces on their border, least of all Poland. Right. So I think Sullivan and Biden will essentially tell... Zelensky, if he is still the president at that point, and if he's still running any semblance of the Ukrainian government, which is largely collapsing now, if he is still there, he's going to be told, accept the deal, go neutral, because there really is no choice.
2: You are hearing elements in the United States Congress. It's almost unanimous in the media calling on the Biden administration to enforce a so-called no-fly zone over Ukraine.
1: What would be the effect of that? Well, you'd end up at war with Russia because the Russians are not going to allow Western aircraft, U.S. aircraft, flying over the battlefield in eastern Ukraine under any circumstances. And Stoltenberg, the Secretary General of NATO, flew to Poland to stop the Poles from essentially offering MiG-29 aircraft that were improved and modernized to the Ukrainians, allowing their pilots to come to Poland, fly these into Ukraine. He put a stop to it, saying anything like that could lead to war and NATO will not go to war. And see, this is the interesting part. Now everyone is talking about spending lots of money on defense and lots of money for NATO, but very shortly people are going to begin to ask why. Why are we doing? Because it's patently obvious that NATO is not right. in a position to fight.
3: And, and why, why are we giving money to the United Nations as well? So, you know, that's a, that's a really great question. What is NATO there for? What Was it there to help out in the Middle East? And, of course, no. is the North Atlantic uh, Treaty Organization, or tra- yeah, something like that, um, North, North Atlantic uh, basically defense system uh, against Russia. It was formed to prevent Russian invasion. And here we are with the Russian invasion, and it does nothing. So it, it's it's sort of like, what, what, why did they even build that nice, huge building? I remember when Trump went over there for the first time and said, nice building. You know, it was like a billion-dollar building. They're just spending money, living lavishly, having all these parties and meetings. Uh, but it's a globalist thing. I wanted to finish up and say, uh, say this. This was... Um, something I wrote uh, and it was basically about globalism and uh, if I can find it, but, um, Oh, globalism is another form of mergers and acquisitions. Okay. So let's see. Globalism is another form of mergers and acquisitions resulting in monopolies of wealth and power that allow the powerful to control the terms of the relationship with whom They are supposed to serve like BlackRock, climate, COVID-19, vaccine passports, multinational trade and social credit score systems. All are part of the weapons used by globalists and they get together and they merger and they acquisition and they have monopoly of power that controls you in any case, that's the end of our show today. My name's Scott Adams, and you've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out magapac.org. Make a donation over there to support America First policies. If you're going to go over to mypillow.com, use redstate as your promo code. And be sure to check out scottadamsshow.com for the latest podcast. We'll see you next time. Like On the radio. A shovel, Bye-bye, a buddy.
0: Deeper, just to my kids right up to there.